Well, the Big D is back from a little football on all with a UFC 298 preview. Before I bring in Billy, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Second Sports YouTube page. Uh, football may be done, but uh, UFC having a, another pay-per-view this week, getting close to 300. Also, check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners, Spotify and Apple. So uh, joining us, the only guy who could talk Jared Goff and Alex Volkanovsky in the same week. Fantasy Labs, Action Network, Billy Ward. So, uh, Billy, uh, I'm sure it must have been hard seeing the uh, 49ers and Chiefs playing the Super Bowl, knowing the Lions could have started and ended the season against the Chiefs, right? Yeah, you know, it was a little sad, but. I couldn't have imagined even making it that far. So after a few days, you know, the, the sting of it kind of wore off. I was like, man, what a great season. That was so much fun. I've never got to enjoy anything like that in my 30 years of being a Lions fan. So just happy to have got that close. Although I will say watching the first half, I'm like, the Lions would be up 20 right now. That's And then they probably would have lost to a miracle comeback from Patrick Mahomes the way the 49ers did. But That's if the – that's if uh, – the. Lions kicker wouldn't have kicked one out of space, right? <laughs> right. Well, they wouldn't have kicked ever, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. Well, um, you think UFC 298? I mean, there is one. There is one title fight. I think both of us are excited to see. It's for the uh, UFC 145 pound belt between Alex Volkanovski and Ilya Tupuria. Did I say the name correct? Yeah, you nailed it. Like I said, Topuri is not that hard. It's pretty phonetic. We got one coming up that you're going to screw up, but we'll get to that. Oh, gotcha. I love the Russian names, right? So what do you see with this fight? Because we've seen Volkanovski fight at 145 and 155, but Topuria has been coming of late. I mean, we know we know what is lost lost. Record indicates he feels like the next great 145-pound guy. So what do you see happening here? Yeah, it's kind of a challenging fight to break down because you can't really, I don't think at least, dig into the tape and find like stylistic things that I I feel like are going to give one fighter a big edge. You know, Volkanovski has three losses in his career. One was in 2013 fighting at welterweight in Australia. He was 3-0, and fought a guy who was 12-4. and Obviously way too big of a weight class for him, like a lot going on there. And then the two losses to Islam Makachev. What concerns me is the last one was October. So, you know, not even for a full month. Got knocked out pretty bad. Took it on short notice. And he's 35 years old, right? Like, I think everyone's seen the viral video of him doing old man Volk and running around with his elderly neighbor and all that, which is hilarious. But there's some truth to that. You know, no fighter on this side of 35 has ever won a title fight defending or challenging at 155 and down. And, you know, the issue and why that weight class is important is these smaller fighters are so fast. Reaction time and speed is such a priority. And those are the first things to go as you get older. You know, older fighters tend to carry their power well into their old age. That's fine. That's not as much of a priority in these weight classes. Not that Volk doesn't have power, but we don't think of him as someone who's coming out and just starching people with one punch. He's, his biggest strength is, honestly, he's incredibly adaptable. You know, when he fought Yair Rodriguez, took him down seven times, finished him on, well, he finished him on the ground, hurt him on the feet. But even the strike he landed on the feet was off of a takedown attempt. Yair was scrambling to defend it. That's when Volk landed the shot. But then he fights guys that want to grapple, like Brian Ortega, 
Ortega took him down twice, almost guillotined him. Volk lands over 200 significant strikes, just wears him out on the feet. No weakness, right? There's not a single thing you can say that he's bad at. I would argue there's no, like, one dominant excellent skill. Like, he's not a Habib who's just a world-class grappler. He's not Adesanya or Anderson Silva or one of those guys who just looks like a Jedi on their feet. But he's not bad at anything. Incredible athlete. And his cardio and his work rate are both incredible. Like, not just his ability to stay fresh late in rounds, but he's staying fresh while doing more things than his opponent. Right. And that's something that it's hard for a lot of guys. There's guys who look good in the fifth round, but it's because they've been dancing around, not throwing all that much. And then we get to Ilya Toporia, who outside of, you know, the five round experience, which we haven't seen for him, can say a lot of the same things. 67% striking defense. Incredible. Like never really been hurt in the UFC. I guess Jai Herbert rocked him, but Ilya came back and knocked him out. Three finishes by knockout, one submission in his six UFC wins. Pretty impressive, but same thing. You know, if he needs to grapple a guy like Yusuf Zalal in his debut, bam, five takedowns. He wants to strike with a guy like Bryce Mitchell. He defended all but one of the many, many takedown defenses, knocked him down, then finished him with the submission of his own. So the big edge I see here for Volkanovski is just way more five-round experience, and we know his cardio holds up. But that said, Ilya Topuria just fought Josh Hammett over five rounds, one you know, 50-42, 50-44. The only round that any judge gave to Emmett was the first. So look just as good at the end as he did at the beginning. Obviously, it's easier when you're just beating the brakes off a guy to keep doing that than when you're in a real back-and-forth fight where you're getting hurt too. But his past every test the UFC has given him, his opponents have like an over 80% win rate, you know, good quality competition. I don't know what more you can ask out of Ilya Tupuria at this point. And he's young, man. He's only... Let me see. Let me look it up. I would say like 27. Is that right off the top of my head? Yeah. Only 27, eight years younger. We know the stats on that. Very close fight. I think for DFS, is an incredible fight to stack, even for tournaments, because we could easily see this go five rounds, ton of back and forth. Both guys getting takedowns. Both guys landing strikes. Maybe a couple knockdowns, one either way, or, you know, multiples from the same guy. And it's a 12-fight card, so that stacking is a good way to get unique. Would not surprise me with these guys priced right in the middle of 8200 and 8000 for them to combine for 180 DraftKings points somewhere in there. Wouldn't be a shock at all. So that would be the strategy I'm playing with that. Cash games, obviously stack it. Like, you're not smart enough to confidently pick this tight of a fight. From a betting standpoint, though, now that Topuri is creeping up into plus money, I'm seeing as high as plus 115. I think I got to lean with the underdog. I love Volkanovski. Well, okay, the plus 115s are gone. They bounced back, but plus 110. I'm a huge Volkanovski fan. I've got a Volkamania shirt that I'm going to wear on Saturday when I'm watching these fights. Like, love him. But he's 35. I don't like the quick rebound. I don't think losing to Makachev means that he's bad, but I think it means he needed some time to recover. He needed some time to get back into camp. You know, is his con- concussions or knockdowns a little bit more valuable? vulnerable now that he's been hit for the first time in his career. Those are all questions. And I just haven't seen anything from Topuria to show that it's possible to beat him. Like nobody's outstruck him. Nobody's out grappled him. The only person to take him down was Bryce Mitchell, who then got submitted for his efforts. What more do you want? Right? Obviously different level of competition though. So I'm very excited to see how this plays out. GPP is mostly going to mix the match between both guys. The activity level is just so high that whoever wins this one is going to score a bazillion points. So that's how I'm playing it for 
GPPs other than a lineup or two where I stack them. Yeah, be honest. This feels like a fight where if you don't have both of these guys in cash, a you should a you should be abolished from playing cash. And B, I think you could. I think you could have one of those crazy school lines where like one guy could get five takedowns, the other guy could get six, multiple knockdowns. It. I don't. I don't see. I. I don't see how this fight doesn't go in the into the championship rounds. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like, especially with Wolk suffering some knockouts lately, like, it wouldn't totally shock me if Ilya just catches him with a good one. With that said, yeah, you're totally right. Like, I'll be interested to see when I run the projections probably tomorrow afternoon. But I'm guessing it'll project for a combined somewhere around at least 160, if not higher. Like, I'm guessing we're going to see medians around 80 for both guys, maybe a little higher for one, maybe a little bit lower for the other, depending on where the line finishes. But, yeah, should be an awesome fight. As we were talking about off-air, it's not the most star-studded card behind it. This kind of makes up for it. A lot of times we see, you know, it's a one-title fight pay-per-view, and that title fight is like somebody's minus 500 against this challenger who doesn't deserve to be there. This is not that. This is like a, wow, we really don't know who's going to win. It's going to shape the future of this division in a huge way, right? Does Volk get right back to being the 45-pound champ? If he gets through Ilya, there's really nobody left at 45 that's even like, kind of interesting right now for him so that's another challenge and then if Topuria wins the division's born again right like there's so many guys he hasn't fought there's so many fights that would be fun so many challenges for him he's only 27 because he hold the belt for five or six years the way Volk did so just an awesome fight awesome situation I love the matchmaking I love that we actually had a legit 45 pound contender not Yair Rodriguez who like cool I don't dislike Yair Rodriguez he's a great fighter but he didn't deserve to be there, and neither did Max Holloway the third time or I'm trying to think who else Volk has fought recently. Chan Sung Joon certainly did not deserve to be there. So, like, his last three title fights for Volk, he's been minus 700, minus 200, minus 375. Now we got a good one. Do you want um... – Stylistically, from from Volkanovski, Topuria feels like he's a different guy because, I mean, we've seen Volkanovski fight Makachev twice. Topuria's got some got some submission ability. Yeah, I mean the the closest like comparison for Ilya Topuria stylistically probably is Alexander Volkanovski. He'll take you down when he needs to. He'll stand and trade with you when he needs to. I would, you know, just doing like the skills grading. I'd give. Topuria's hands a little bit better. I'd say he's a slightly better striker. His pure jujitsu slash submissions are better. Volkanovski's a better wrestler, plus he's got the proven cardio. I don't want to say his cardio is better. We don't know. But one guy, we know it's excellent. One guy has looked good so far, but there's a lot of question marks. So, yeah, stylistically, if I had to compare Topuria to anyone at 145, it would probably be Alexander Volkanovsky. I can't think of anybody else that he resembles just in terms of his ability to be good at anything, not really a specialist in any one thing, as well as, you know, great speed, great athletic ability, all those things. How do you, I mean, how do you think Tapoya handles 25 minutes against the, against the most athletic conditioned guy in the division? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. Like I was saying, he went 25 and looked great against Josh Emmett, but he was kind of giving Josh Emmett the business the whole time. So if Topuria, you know, lands early takedown and gets to spend a round on top, 
which is hard because like Islam Akshav is the only person to ever hold Volkanovski down, and even he struggled. If he's you know staying on the outside and kind of picking them apart, then it's going to be pretty easy to ride out five rounds doing that. You know, like I can go to the gym right now and do five rounds against people that I dominate. You throw me in there with a the guy who's even challenging me, much less beating me. I've got maybe two or three rounds of cardio. So like, it's a different element depending on how that's going. I, I think he'll probably be okay. I don't think we're going to see him like totally gassed and quit or anything like that. If Volkanovsky is going to win this one though, I think it's more likely that he does so late rather than just outclasses him the whole time. So if you like the live bet, I think it could be a good spot on Volkanovsky depending on how the early line goes, especially if you get him at plus 250, plus 300, whatever. I would love to, be going into the third or fourth round and have plus money tickets on both guys. That's the dream, right? Make money either way. <laughs> and then with Volkanovski, obviously we know what his recent history is in the division. We know he's the king at 145, but he's taken a lot of damage. He's been in a lot of wars, a lot of five-round fights, of course, the knockout loss to uh, Makachev in October. It's Fairly quick turnaround coming back here on uh, Saturday night. How do you do? You think that maybe the wear and tear catches up with Volkanovski, particularly with the style fighter he is. Yeah, I mean, you always have to assume that that happens at some point, and sometimes it's not wear and tear; it's just age, right? Like, I'm I'm 34 and still trying to train. It doesn't get any easier at this age. You know, cutting the weight gets a little bit harder getting up the next day and doing it again gets a little bit harder. All those things are a challenge. So I don't want to say it's the wear and tear. I don't want to say it's just the age. I don't even know that it's going to be a factor this time, but we do know it will someday. And maybe today is that time. You know, I, it wouldn't shock me, especially with the speed of Toporia. If Volkanovsky just looks, you know, a millisecond slower, that might be the difference. These are just all, I don't have one big reason to be on Topuria, but when we start chipping all these little things together and you can get them at plus money, I think that's kind of where I'm landing right now. And I hate to say it because my heart is very much wanting Volkanovski to be 45 pound champ until I've got grandkids or whatever, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, could you look back and think maybe the Makachev fights were a little bit of a mistake for Volkanovski, particularly the second one on short yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, the first one obviously was not, right? Like, it was a super close fight. You could make a compelling – you could argue that he won it with the scoring rules. Like, the round where Makachev had his back but just held on and Volkanovski was punching over his shoulder the whole time, if we're really scoring damage, who did more damage that round? You know, like, there's a lot of cases there. That one was not a mistake. The short notice one, you know, his coach came out and said he didn't want him to do it. He said he'd just been, like, hanging out on the beach and drinking for the weeks before that. He also got a brand new contract that paid him a ton of money for that fight and guaranteed him more money for all of his future fights. So a mistake in terms of his wins and losses? Yeah, definitely. A mistake in terms of Alexander Volkanovsky, the human, setting up his financial future and taking care of his kids and all that other stuff? Maybe not. I think he's got four kids. The one was born right before that last Makachev fight. You know, get your money, man. Like, it's a brutal sport. You never know how many more you got. If he loses this one... He could obviously stick around and be like a gatekeeper, a contender, whatever. I don't know that he would do that. It might kind of be like, I've had my time at the top, I'm out. So, yeah, mistake depends on how you quantify that. In terms of money, they offered him a bump for all of his future fights based on taking it on short notice. Go ahead, man. Like, I can't fault anyone for that. 
especially especially because especially because you that one forty five pound division, Volkanovski's basically cleaned everyone. So I mean, might be a blessing and a curse. More money, but more pain. Well, the the arguably financially, the dream scenario for Volkanovski is like he loses a split decision here, right? Because then they do it again. You get to kind of drag this out a little bit. If he just starts his Toporia, which honestly wouldn't shock me, it would not surprise me at all if he makes Toporia look like, yeah, you're out of your guys. Like, we've seen Volkanovsky do that to so many people. He sends Toporia back to the heap. Who do we got left at 45? <laughs> like, it's it's pretty barren there after Toporia. Uh, we got Yeah, you're out of your guys. He's already uh, – Mosvar, I guess, Avoyev coming up. That's probably the, the only other point. Arnold Allen's lost two in a row. Josh Emmett is fine, not that exciting. But, yeah, probably Mosfar is the only other, like, reasonable, even close to title contender, and he needs at least one more. Yeah, then it creates a whole bunch of chaos. By the way, Depoya enters UFC 298 with a 14-0 record. Can you guess how many male fighters have held an in- – held an undisputed UFC belt while being undefeated. Hmm. Let's go through that. I'm trying to think of some of the older guys. It wasn't Lesnar because he lost to Mir first. It wasn't GSP because he had a loss. No, he won the... Did he win the belt before he lost it to Sarah? Because he was undefeated before he lost to Matt. No, because he had the Hughes fight. All right, it wasn't GSP. Anderson Silva had a DQ not loss in Japan. Um, John, nope, John Jones should have. Like, let's be honest, John Jones should have, but he had a DQ loss before getting the belt. Mm, I don't know. I probably not many, maybe two or you three, want, and that's just off my head. But 10 guys, do you want to take this whack at any of them? Um, Demetrius Johnson, right? Uh, no. He had a loss before 125. All right, I know it's going to be lighter guys. Um, did BJ Penn have a loss before he won the title? I'm going to say BJ Penn maybe. No, because he lost to GSP at welterweight. He didn't lose at lightweight, but yeah, okay, you got me. Mm. I'll give you a hint. One Davey of them. Figueredo. Huh? Figueredo. Oh. Nope. Uh, Ryan I'll give you a hint. One of them ended his career without a loss. Oh, yeah, Habib. Sorry. That was I Yes. Right. And then oh, is Makachev undefeated too? Yeah, Makachev's undefeated. I don't think Makachev's I think Makachev lost. I don't think so. Unless we want to argue the Alexander Volkanovsky fight again. But oh no, you're right. He did. Okay. He beat Islam Makachev. Um, somebody beat Usman before he got to the UFC, like in a very surprising fashion. So it wasn't him. I don't know. Just tell me. Uh, Walt Coleman, Randy Couture, Tim Sylvia, Kane Velasquez, Sugar Rashad Evans, Leonardo Machida, uh, Chris Weidman, Cody Goldbrand, Khabib, and Izzy Adesanya. Oh, Adesanya, I should have got. Outside of Adesanya, I should have gone much older. I was trying to guess, like, mid-2000s, but it was really, like, every early days heavyweight was the answer, apparently. Not named Brock Lesnar. And 205ers, yeah. 
like up until Brock Lesnar. That was all the guys like right before him, it felt like. And some guys at 205. But huh, yeah, I would not have got too many of those as we saw. Yeah, Chris Weidman got his title belt against uh Anderson Silva. Yeah, I didn't I guess I didn't realize he was undefeated coming in. And then Cody Garbs I should have got. I know Cody a little bit. Well, then, after the uh, title fight, the co-main event is, uh, speaking of 185, it's uh, Paolo Costa and Robert Whitaker. What do you see in that fight? I don't know. I Can I be honest, Dylan? I just hope it happens. Like, we have not seen Paulo Costa successfully make it into the cage in a very long time. Should be a fun fight. Whitaker's kind of better everywhere. But, like, Costa can just do enough to make it ugly. I, I mostly agree with the line here. Don't really love it from a DFS standpoint just because Whitaker's activity level isn't like super high. So unless he gets a quick finish, which is tough against Costa, you know, he's landing four and a half strikes, less than a takedown per round. Neither of those are great. So yeah, fun fight. I don't, I almost don't want to talk about it too much and curse it, but this is the deal with Paulo Costa. Like he goes away for two years. They were supposed to fight a couple times. So he fought September, 2020 was gone for more than a year and then was gone for a year and then it's been a year and a half so let's just get him in the cage it'll be fun cost is a crazy person the best twitter follow in mma by the way even though his english is, or or maybe because his english isn't that great but yeah those those are my thoughts don't play it in dfs if you want to bet it whitaker probably covers his price i think i feel like this is i feel like this fight if it happens is a super contrarian fight because neither guy looks like he'll put up a big output. I mean, if Costa gets in the ring, maybe pulls off a win, he could be he could be a GPP play. I mean, if you're 115 max, I guess some, but I don't think either guy will be enormously popular. Yeah, I think that's right. And I don't mind costa actually for dfs like i'm probably gonna bet whitaker but if paulo wins he needs big moments knockdowns takedowns probably a finish and we got to remember before his like disappearing act he had won i don't know four or five in a row by knockout to get into the ufc yeah four in a row by knockout then a fight against yoel romero where he dropped him landed 118 strikes he can certainly put up points but then he had and honestly even his loss against marvin vittori 163 strikes takedown did nothing against Izzy, but, you know, that happens to the best of us, including Robert Whitaker himself. So, yeah, don't really – if you're playing it for DFS, it's obviously cost or nothing just given the salaries involved. But Yeah, great, especially because Robert Whitaker's not a big striker. He's not going to land, you know, an Alexander Volkanovsky number of strikes. Well, he's a – but that's what Volkanovski would be if he were bigger. You know what I mean? Like the bigger weight classes, the activity level mm-hmm. isn't there. Yeah, you the know, way you, you get know. points out of bigger weight classes is finishes, which he certainly can do. I'm not saying like it's not like he's got pillow hands or anything, but he's not out here just mashing people. You know, like Volkanovski. You know, Volkanovski at 185 DDP. Ah, no, because DDP is kind of like wild and hunting for knockouts and all over the place like stylistically it's that i would honestly say whitaker is a pretty close comparison maybe i'm just saying that because they're both australian but well ddp's got the belt now <laughs> i know but uh yeah i mean 7200 for whitaker not bad higher scoring average than or for costa higher scoring average than whitaker 
Whitaker's last win, 65 points. Did put up 125 against Kelvin Gastelum, but that's really the only win in like seven years that would pay off his price tag. And I'm not really putting too much faith in that against Kelvin Gastelum. So. Okay, so after those fights, uh, what else do you see on this code? Because, uh, I mean, the uh, preliminary events that uh, you said remind you of a Dana White championship series, right? It'll be contender series, but no. I, I would love series. to talk about the uh, the former champion who's fighting at Bantamweight earlier on the card. Can you remind me of what that fight is? The main event Bantamweight, or the main card Bantamweight fight? Uh, you mean the uh, Gary Neal fight? No, no, that's welterweight. I'm talking about who, who's Henry Cejudo fighting. I can't remember. Uh, Daffich Veerly. <laughs> I know, no, I know. I was just trying to. I told you there'd be one on the card that you would struggle to say. It's Dualish Wheelie for some reason because yeah. like the V's in Eastern Europe become W's. It's a whole thing. That is an incredible DFS fight. Uh, Dualish Wheelie averaging 118 drafting points per fight, which is just absurd. Put up 167 with 11 takedowns his last fight. He has a couple in the 70s, but like before that, 124, 136, 148, 74, 108, 164, 78, 167. So this man has gone over 130 points four times, over 160 points twice. I don't think anyone else has done that ever. But they're just going to wrestle for 15 minutes, and they're going to get takedowns, and then they're going to get back up, and then they're going to get more takedowns, and it's going to be awesome. So if you like grappling and wrestling, it's a really fun fight. Obviously, I don't like Cejudo at this point in his career. Kind of got out-wrestled by Aljamain Sterling in his last fight. Dwalish Wheelie is a considerably better wrestler than Aljamain Sterling. I don't like Cejudo at 35. He's undersized. Definitely on the Dwalish Wheelie side. Kind of don't mind the price around minus 200 if you want to bet it, but Absolutely incredible DFS fight. Another one that it wouldn't be crazy to stack. I think you kind of need Dwalish Wheelie to get the win and then hope Cejudo scores a lot for that to work out. But with 12 fights, that's good. You know, if you're doing the big like 100K to first with a million entrants, stack one of these fights. If you're doing, you know, 3,000, 4,000 entrants and down, I wouldn't. But super fun fight. Very excited. You know, self proclaimed grappling nerd here, as we all know. So if you want to see people stand and knock each other out, you got Ian Gary versus uh, Jeff Neal for that. If you want some grappling, this is a good one. You know what the problem with that fight is? It's only 15 hmm. minutes. I know. I, it would be fun if we got two more rounds, but I like it. I mean, where would you rate this in terms of pay-per-view codes? Because obviously we saw what happened in Toronto. The next two codes in Miami and, of course, 300 in Vegas look fantastic. Where is this? Is this like an average pay-per-view? It's hard to – that's a tough question because the quality of the main event is as high as I can remember in a long time. Like, when's the last time we got a really compelling close title fight? It's probably, honestly, Volkanovski versus Makachev. And Strickland versus DDP was as close, but it was as close between a guy who just won a belt and a guy who was supposed to fight somebody else, and it kind of fell apart. You know, that's a different level. This is about as good of a main event as I can remember in a long time. The rest of the card's a little bit on the lower side. So I guess if we kind of mush that together, average, lower side of average, but this is one that they're banking on the main event being worth it for people, and I think it is, personally. Yeah, especially because you've got a, you've got the current champ who's been that who's been the king at 145 against the young 
up and comer. Feels mm -hmm. like it could be one for the ages. Well, and it's not one of those that they're forcing. Sometimes we get this like, like if you remember GSP or Anderson Silva, their dominant runs. Some of these guys they were trotting out as like the young up and coming contenders. Like, oh look, it's Dan Hardy, and we're like, yeah, okay. You know, like GSP's gone through everybody. Dan Hardy's not going to beat him. Come on, guys. This one, it's legitimately like this happened naturally. Topuria built himself up. Topuria's done the work. He's beaten everyone in front of him in extremely impressive fashion against the dominant old lion. You can't, you can't get much better than that in terms of storylines, how close it's going to be, how interested we're all going to be in the fight. So, yeah. If you, uh, well, I know, I know we can't look past 298 299 but uh if you were dana white what would be your ufc 300 main event right now if you were matchmaking the fight i mean that's a tricky question right because am i a matchmaker who also can like force guys to show up and be healthy because if it's that you do john jones versus aspinall stipe anybody anybody you got or McGregor, I, I don't think McGregor versus Chandler should be the UFC 300 main event. Like, I know people love McGregor fights. I'm not one of those people. So it wouldn't be that for me. It'd probably be a John Jones fight. Second choice would be DDP versus Izzy. Because remember all the heat they had on that the last time when they got in the cage, yelling about who's the real African, all that stuff. That'd be cool. And then I don't, I know people have like made so many jokes about it and don't want to see it because everyone hates Bilal Muhammad. Can we do Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad at least somewhere on this card? I don't care if it's the main event or not, but like Edward or Muhammad has deserved a title fight for like three years now, beating everyone. He's on a 96 fight win streak. Like that's got to happen at some point. Why not? 300, I guess, is more what I'm saying. I know people would be so mad because he kept saying the 300 main event's going to blow everyone away, and that certainly would not. But I don't know. Give Bilal Muhammad some respect. Uh, I know it can't. I know it probably won't happen because he's coming off a torn Achilles. But I'd love to see Alex Bahia against Jamal Hill because that would be one way of a fight at two hundred five. Yeah, I don't know if Hill's going to be ready. It seems a little fast, but it's not. I mean, it's coming up on a year because International Fight Week last year. It would have been ten months. Like it's not outside the realm of possibility. So that's actually a good call. I didn't. I, I have forgotten Jamal Hill until I hear that he's back. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, after Drake Greenlaw tore Achilles in the Super Bowl, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't want to hear any more torn Achilles. Yeah. And it's certainly possible to get back in less than a calendar year. I would imagine that it's slightly easier in combat sports than it is in like basketball or football where you're running and jumping so much, but I don't know, never torn Achilles. So I couldn't tell you. Thank goodness I haven't torn an Achilles. I'm like, that would not be fun. I hear it on torn seem... Achilles. Torn Achilles is much worse than an ACO, if you ask me. Yeah, sure seems like it these days. I mean, uh, it's... can't believe we're naming 300 UFC pay-per-view events. I know, it came on fast since 100. Yeah. Oh, 200. But they used to do them so much less, so, you know, it kind of makes sense how we got here. Now now the UFC is doing, like, one a month. Yeah, it, I think the last few years it's been 13 a year. Like, they've managed to squeeze extra one in there on top of the one a month. 
All right, Billy. So thanks for hopping on today. Hopefully your bets go well and uh, we'll reckon in the chips this weekend. Yes, sir. You too.